0: Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. If you were in college during the Nixon era, you probably remember the names Porgy and Mudhead, Nick Danger and Clem from the Firesign Theater's classic comedy albums, Waiting for the Electrician or Someone Like Him. How Can You Be in Two Places at Once When You're Not Anywhere at All? Don't crush that dwarf. Hand me the pliers. And I think we're all bozos on this bus." The fire signs, Phil Austin, Peter Bergman, David Osman, and Philip Proctor were called the Beatles of comedy at the time. They made their debut as a, a troupe in 1966 on WBAI's sister station, KPFK, in Los Angeles, and went on to long and productive careers both together and separately. Phil Austin and Peter Bergman are sadly no longer with us, but I am delighted that David Osman and Philip Proctor are on our show now to talk about the group's first album in 35 years. It's called Dope Humor of the 70s, just out from Stand Up Records. Hi, welcome to our show.
1: Hello there, this is David. I'm, uh, I'm d- d- delighted to be on with you, Leonard, what a treat.
0: Ah, well, for us as well, as a big fan, uh, I'm so happy to be talking with you. But before we talk, let's hear an excerpt from one of your best loved routines from your first album, Waiting for the Electrician or Someone Like Him,
1: sure.
0: Bit the Reaper.
2: He's coming around, folks. He's going to be okay and ready to play symptom
1: six A Beat the Reaper.
2: Last week, our patient successfully survived the common cold, measles, pneumonia, dengue fever, and the yaws. And now, the big question. Are you ready to go on? What? Well, He's is
0: ready well we just heard a little clip there but uh is it fair to to call most of the the fire science humor dark i'm, just, I'm going to throw it out to both of you and just trust that each of you will take turns
1: <laughs> dark no no um um maybe <clears throat> um what would you say a maybe looking um at at uh, comedy from the bottom <laughs>
0: Well, your late colleague, Peter Bergman, reportedly began his career in high school when he he hacked the PA system to announce a communist takeover of the school. And that idea prefigures a plot of high school madness, a, a story within a story on the album, Don't Crush That Dwarf, Hand Me the Pliers, in which more science high is stolen by the rival communist martyrs high school. Let's listen to a little bit of that. Okay.
2: You know, that's just it. Just what? Well, we're the leaders of tomorrow. Yeah, but it's today. Well, yeah, but what are you going to do tomorrow after we graduate? Oh, well, I thought maybe I'd go out and find a bunch of guys and dress alike and follow them around. What? Or I could go pick up a couple of girls. Oh, ah! is that all you think about picking up things? Yeah. Golly, Mudhead. Don't you remember what Principal Pooh put down at the pep rally yesterday? Principal who?
1: P-E-P-E-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
2: Thank you, fellow kids. Quiet. In addressing for the assembly this morning, thank you. I am recalling the words of the foundry found, founder of Morse Science High School, Yukaipa Heap, who pressed the first bricks with his own hands. Knowledge for the pupe, the people he said give them a light and they'll follow it anywhere <laughs> we think that is a fair and a wise guy for rule to be guided by what is and we're not afraid of it are we Eat
1: it! you bet Eat it
2: raw raw raw, raw. <laughs> that's, that's the spirits we have here
0: <laughs> ok ok so.
2: So come on, kids, line up, sign up, and re-enlist today, because we need more schooling for more students, for more science high.
1: Thank
0: you. Your just-released compilation is called Dope Humor of the 70s, which I presume is a double entendre, dope being slang for good, or at least it used to be. Uh, (laughs) And I'm going to play another clip and then we will uh, do a little bit of talking. Okay, but I want to give people a a sense of the range that we're discussing here. So I have a clip from the collection that's called Drug Abuse Expert. Uh, Can you give us some context before I I, uh, play it?
3: I would like to say that Phil Proctor is actually on the phone as well as David Osman. Yeah. Hi, (laughs) Phil. A little bit of struggle. To make a connection <laughs> and it was really fun to hear my young voice as principal <laughs> poop back in those days. So, so yeah I, i'm looking forward to seeing what you chose next to play for us dopes
0: well i was going to play something uh called drug abuse expert but oh, that uh... sounds
3: fine oh that's good it'll remind us of the heady times that we lived <laughs> in when, we, when we did all these great radio shows the heady
0: times i guess um everything's a pun with you guys <laughs>
3: oh yeah we have nothing but
0: a pun believe me <laughs> okay well let's listen to a little bit of it and then we will get into the really serious stuff okay, okay. <laughs> drug <right>. abuse expert <laughs> Well, be
2: sure and be with us again next week when we'll be back with Book Corner once again. Boy, that just went so fast an hour and a half. Yeah, really sure. Hey, oh no! Wait a minute, fellas. Uh, Jocko the Clacos says uh, it's only 45 minutes into the show. We must have been in a time warp again. Yeah, I guess so. Gee. Rocket Rabbit, what are what are well, we gonna do? I just looked here at the script, and it said that acceleration equals sixteen g t squared, and what I just What does that thought, mean? Well, I don't know. I just thought that ever what since that ever since I was in in high school, I was always told that you can accelerate faster, you know, oh, you or mean, you can go you farther. T- how about some? I got, uh, some some whiteies give me those and I'll tell Get you about whiteys. Ohm's whiteys. law. Okay. You want well, some blackies? Give me a couple of, a couple so of those black take widows. Take it down a little bit. Yeah. How about some yellows? Just a couple of yellows. Okay. Here we go. How about some Chicano? Yeah, okay, right. okay, man. All right, and, uh, have some brownies. I have some brownies, too, huh? I always, uh, uh, I, uh, I uh, that's good good drugs. Okay, I, uh, now uh, with us today as an expert I, uh, on drug abuse, uh, uh, Peter uh, uh, Keshner. Peter uh, Peter has uh, been an expert on drug abuse for many years. He was with the Drug Abuse Council uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, He's uh, taken more drugs than any well, police officer well, well, uh, <laughs> you think in the world.
1: <laughs> Mr. Keshner, can you tell
2: us about? <laughs> <laughs> by golly, this is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Do you all, do you always wear that hat, Mr. <laughs> oh, Keshner?
1: That's, I think you'd call
2: that far out, right? Yeah, man, I, <laughs> okay, now I, as a police officer. Don, oh no! <laughs> oh, boy, boy.
1: <laughs> so stupid! Oh my God! Well, you can hear us. That's that is. I', I got to tell you, you a, a few of these tracks are written, but that was completely improvised, uh, wasn't it, Phil?
0: I was going to ask you about that. How much of it was was uh, improvised. Oh,
3: but you could hear it,
0: every, even if it, if it was written, it was written brilliantly so that it sounds so spontaneous.
3: Yeah, well, you know that was the way that we that we wrote our albums, and we'd go into the studio and improvise off of our carefully crafted scripts. Uh-huh. And in this instance, in the radio, uh, David, bring in something that for all of us, like uh, the, uh, the original Mark Time uh, radio serial, and we'd sit around the table and uh, read our parts, but it didn't mean that, that we had to read what David had typed on the page. Uh,
1: you know, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. <laughs> I'm a little late, Dave. <laughs> but I have to tell you no, something uh, about that, that
3: drug skit. That was Peter yeah. Bergman playing that yeah. character. And I actually lived that with Peter Bergman. When he was doing his Radio Free Oz show, I guess it was on KRLA, we were interviewing. I was a guest on the show, and David Crosby was a guest on the show, a longtime friend. And Peter, in the middle of his interview as the Wizard of Oz, well, he had eaten some hash brownies before the show, and they kicked in right in the middle of his interview with David Crosby. And he Ooh. broke down in tears, just as he did in this skit. And I don't know whether this skit was before or after this really happened. He had to leave. His, his girlfriend, Brooke, had to drive him home, uh, leaving me and David. And David said that the Wizard of Oz had gotten into his balloon and floated off, <laughs> which, which is about what had
1: happened. <laughs> Oh, I wonder if that's preserved any place in the Radio Free Oz archive. I don't oh, yeah. know. Yeah, no, well, that was the, 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 the ability to 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 do that, to go to that character, and then the rest of us play around it, you see. Uh, and who
0: you, was doing all the stuff in the background? Somebody uh, hit symbols, and uh, during the uh, the pre- the oh. high school, segment that we played uh there was somebody who was shouting from the audience saying saying things that uh including some stuff we couldn't put on the air
1: yeah austin yeah yeah that was 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 Austin, and that also was improvised and you can hear uh actually you can hear phil proctor i'm sure he'll admit to this going up once because he's interrupted in exactly the wrong place <laughs> it's just perfect. It's perfect, think, right? But
3: I think I added the, 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 the symbols to that. I don't know. I think that was. Yes, awesome. I
1: think I, did, I think we increased that moment by hitting the symbol. Then, yeah, right, yeah. right, right.
3: Because we did have the option, you know, to to create movies for the mind and to add uh, musical tracks and other subtracks to subtracks. Yes, To <laughs> tracks for the enjoyment. But the thing you said about having to censor. Some of that is mm. very interesting, because when we made our records uh, with Columbia, uh, waiting for the electrician or someone like him, how can you be in two places at once, you're not aware don't crush that dog. We, with, these records were not censored because they were made for your home listening. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. They weren't made to be played on the radio. Hell, we were doing you know 20- uh, and 30-minute cuts. We invented long-form comedy albums, and so they were designed to be heard at home. And and that's why our success, which I think surprised us all, uh, came out of honest, you know, the honest response to our records. There was no hype involved in it. We weren't getting played on the radio 24 hours a day or anything like that. It was honestly the reaction of people to the comedy we were creating uh, who would go out and buy our next record. And that was thrilling, I have to say.
1: Yeah, well, that it gave you really, a lot more freedom. Was, It was unexpected you're right to say that phil it it was you know because the first the first album went out the second album was only there because uh we had a a break at columbia and and we were at columbia columbia records uh, biggest 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 label at the time big label had all of the rock stars you Mm -hmm. want to talk about on except for the beatles and the stones Everybody right. else was on Columbia because they were signing everybody. So as far as they were concerned, we were a rock band that didn't do a lot of singing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And
3: eventually they advertised us as the only rock band that doesn't need music. But the yeah, reason was... that we were able to do what we did was because of a guy there called John McClure, who was, one, he was the head of the Spoken Arts Division of Columbia Records. And when the, the suits uh, were, were getting ready to basically fire us, he stood up and said, no, these guys are going to – they're the greatest comedians in the world. They're geniuses. They've created a new form of, of comedy. And he said, I will sign them to a spoken arts contract. And David can confirm this. That g- gave us unlimited studio time in exchange for a, a lower a lower royalty. So Yeah, <laughs> our
1: studio time was only limited by the fact that it was 11 to 4 a.m. But, hey – you know there we were we <laughs> were at our best then though right Dave? yeah it it would take us i'd say uh, on the average over over all of our years perhaps a month to do an album maybe two weeks writing and two weeks in the studio something like that yeah um, that was it was funny. it was it was about the same time it, as it would take to do a 12 track rock album
3: that's right and and of course the, the funny thing about our second album how can you be in two places at once when you're not anywhere at all? Is it on the second side of that album? Uh, it, was, it is Nick Danger, Third Eye. Mm. And that was originally supposed that took to be off. a radio serial, yeah. right, Dave? And the, and we lost the station. The station changed formats or something. So we said, well, yeah. I,
1: it was, uh, I we it was, we had a – this would have been a really, really big shoe. This would have been a huge <laughs> radio program uh that, that would have been a like a two-hour show and a half hour of it would every week we would do this we thought we could mm-hmm. uh uh was every uh, would be another nick danger adventure so right. but it was set into a completely different show that was like allen's alley where the fireside would walk down the street and meet interesting characters all of which we would play you know yeah. and uh uh, it was gonna. So, we were we were going to do it at the Elks Hall, and we were going to do it on KMET. But ah, that KMET! Wow. Big yeah. Place. Then the format changed, and uh, and when uh, when uh, Nick walks into that uh, that that big Great wall, Churchill whatever building. it is, right? Uh, that's the Elks Club. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I think the inside joke there is that we could never do it, so yeah, so right. he simply walked into the side of the building. <laughs>
0: Let me tell people who, who my guests are. Uh, this is Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. And my guests are David Osman and Philip Proctor, uh, two of the four uh, members of the Fire Signs. Uh, and uh, they have a new album out called Dope Humor of the 70s. It's from Stand Up Records. So let's go back to the beginning how did the four of you meet you talked about movies of the mind so were you all in los angeles and uh
3: or oh, close okay. proximity to hollywood before we get into this story uh, i don't know if you've made it clear leonard that the uh, album is a limited vinyl edition 500. Vinyl, wow vinyl okay three. not
0: everybody has turntables anymore
3: yeah it has four sides okay mm. just like they're four members of the fireside theater I'm a Leo. Dave's a Sagittarian. Peter's a Sagittarian. Phil's an Aries, and we got our name uh, because Bergman realized that we were all fire signs. The the way we met was uh, Phil and uh, Phil Austin and and uh, David were working at KPFK, you know WBAI on the on the left coast, and uh, Phil was actually producing Peter Bergman's radio Friage show, okay, which was on late at night, and it was the first counterculture call-in talk show. Well, I had come out to L.A. Uh, originally with a, a musical comedy, a uh, musical piece called uh, The Amorous Flea. I went back to do a Broadway show. I understudied another Broadway show. And I came back out to L.A. Uh, to just, you know, to see what was going on. And I was with Brandon DeWilda and Peter Fonda. You can read all about this in my book. Uh, 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 my book, what's it called? Uh, what is my book called? Uh, <laughs> where's My Fortune Cookie? That's right. Where's My Fortune Cookie? That's my book. And basically, I'm going to shorten the story. But at the, the day of the anti-curfew riot in Los Angeles, the famous Sunset Strip riot, something's right. happening here, what it is, and exactly clear, Brandon DeWilda, Peter Fonda, and I went to basically, you know, show our support. And Fonda was working on a little movie called Easy Rider, and he wanted to do some research on the, you know, the way young, guy, young people were thinking that day. So I, uh, during that demonstration, I sat down on an open copy of the L.A. Free Press. I pulled it out from under my butt. I had sat on, a P- on Peter Bergman's face. I sat on a picture of Peter Bergman, and I said, KPFK newsman Peter Bergman interviews returning Vietnam war vets. I had gone to Yale with Peter Bergman. He'd written the lyrics for several musicals I starred in, Tom Jones and Booth is Back in Town, written by Austin Pendleton. I'd lost complete touch with him. He'd been off in Germany making movies. God knows he had a a whole strange uh, adventure of his own. And so I called him up the next day. I went down, and I met everybody. I met David, and I met Phil, and, and Peter and I uh pardon me and, and we all started playing on the radio and now david can pick it up from there because he, he remembers but, things i just, I just want to
0: throw in the fact that you you keep on talking about peter bergman writing he was really had a way with words didn't isn't he credited with coming up with the uh, the phrase love in yeah,
1: yeah i can i can pick it up there in fact he did create uh love in the uh, the name the word love in uh, it was promoted on Radio Free Oz by none other than the Firesign Theater, and um, and we expected a few hundred people to show up in Elysian Park, and I think it was seventeen thousand or something. It was enormous. The first love it. <laughs> yeah, th- there had been in San Francisco to give to give Northern California a, 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 just a tiny bit of credit. There had been a B in. <laughs> Earlier in the year, yeah, in, that's right. in in San Francisco, uh, it was Allen Ginsberg and everybody else you might expect was there. Uh, so uh, we we were at the beginning and always a, a, a an L A act. We were like Raymond Chandler. We were it was mm-hmm. L A, Santa Monica, tough town. Yeah, Phil. Before you were on the line, Leonard asked a great question, which is, did. Did did we think our our humor was dark that came from a dark place?
3: That's hmm. that's interesting. Uh, the hole in the center of the earth. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, you know, if we draw a parallel to our times right now, which are definitely dark times, uh, we all know that humor is enlightening, and humor you know is the opposite. Levity is the opposite of gravity. So obviously, that was part of our motivation. Uh, there was a lot of non, uh, b- bad things going on because old white men were in control of everything. We thought that was a bad idea. Well, you see how that worked out. Anyway, 50 yeah. <laughs> well, years later. You
0: cured, yeah, you resolved the problem for us forever, didn't you? Yeah.
3: <laughs> so so when, when we played together, we basically uh, wanted to make one another laugh. That mm-hmm. was really the bottom line for everything. Can we make these other silly people and I make these other silly people laugh, because they make me laugh. I have to
1: And the return. goal the, the goal, I think is writers. you talk about you know Peter writing. Uh, uh, Peter was an instinctive on the on the soles of his on the balls of his feet writer. He yeah. would write the funniest things in the world in the studio before the radio show. Uh, yeah. And the, in in the package, in the wonderful LP package, it opens up. It's 24 by 12 inches. It's huge. I love it. Uh, in there, there's some reproductions of uh, some scribbled scripts by, by Peter. But the records we all wrote, we all sat around, yeah. uh, four or five of us would sit around a table. And we would scrupulously uh, put together a script, much of it. Um, earned uh, in these uh, radio shows that uh, that dope humor of the 70s is clipped from. Some of our fans will remember an album called Dear Friends, which is similar. <clears throat> and that that was done, edited by hand by me with a razor blade, uh, in order that radio would have some shortcuts to play. You were talking about the 38-minute album. And they... Learn to do exactly what you did, Leonard. Was to needle drop it, yeah. just on top of that thing. Well, and well, had, the Carlin,
0: the, had the Carlin, had uh, the Carlin seven words you can't say uh, on radio or television. Uh, had that decision already been handed down by the Supreme Court? No, not.
1: I had. I you know I I started working at WBAI sixty years ago. BAI. And, yes, WBAI. I started at WBAI ninety point five FM New oh, York. No,
0: Yeah, 60 years ago is when BAI first became uh, a listener-sponsored radio station.
1: And I was there the very first day it did that. I was the only employee retained from the the commercial BAI. Well, I've always felt very... uh, very, Yeah, Lou
0: Schweitzer had this wonderful commercial radio station where he played jazz, had jazz shows and other things, and then he donated the station to Pacifica.
1: That's what happened. And I was the I was a traffic manager. I was a summer replacement announcer, and oh, really? uh, ultimately did um, my first series of radio shows called "The Sullen Art," which was interviews with the then young happening poets of uh, l a, mostly of the Lower East Side community, the Ginsburg community. And uh, did that for uh, for about a year before then I transferred to KPFK. So I'd been in radio a, a long time. Not to say that Phil, Phil and Pete weren't in the radio because they had started even making records. Uh, so, Well, no what stuff. came
0: first? Uh, as I understand it, your first performances were on KPFK before you even made records? Um,
1: yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: So did KPFK invite you on because they just thought, gee, that, that'll that be a fun show?
3: It was Peter Bergman's show, Radio 5. Yeah. Yeah. that we we premiered our our work together on. But I want to say a few things about WBAI. First of all, the Carlin record. Be kind, please. Oh, wait. The Carlin record that you mentioned was played on the air by Paul Gorman.
0: On a Saturday afternoon.
3: Okay, on BAI on a show called Lunch Pail.
0: Yeah. Paul Gorman
3: and, and Peter Bergman and I all went to Yale together, okay? And... And uh, did you know that John Goodman appeared on WBAI on the Citizen Kafka show? Sure. Yeah. Oh, you did. Oh, good.
0: Well, I was there at the time. I was at BAI from nineteen, uh, well, nineteen sixty-seven or sixty-eight, uh, until I left and went to WMYC in eighty-five.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. So. In PAI fact,
0: in fact, here. I uh, uh, was responsible for the George Carlin benefit for us after uh, the Supreme Court decision.
3: Wow. Well, that's great. But you see, that's it. WBAI is history. Okay. KPFK is history. Mm-hmm. The Pacifica stations, uh, uh, the one in San Francisco as well. They, they've been at the heart of cultural change in this country. Okay. And they, and they continue to speak for the diversity of the country. And and that's why you know we spend so much time uh, on on listener supported stations, just like our records were listener supported. You know we believed in the we believe in the democracy of free speech, the power of free speech.
1: And when we began, radio was a lot, even commercial radio was a lot more open to the kinds mm-hmm. of things that. Uh, you, that you couldn't play on the radio now. It's funny now. Yeah, you, you, play, you can't imagine
0: Gene Shepherd on the radio today.
1: Oh,
3: I used to listen to him every night. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Well, that's no, why I brought
0: probably. it up because he was an inspiration for everyone who liked freeform radio.
1: That's right.
0: And yep, he was absolutely. on a commercial station.
1: Yeah, but he was on late at night, and, and yep. the, the suits were all asleep, and who cares? <laughs> and the ratings. Their folks were asleep too. That's and the, right. Your oh, folks were asleep, you know, the, the, and I would close the
3: door the, to my room and listen to his show and just- Well, he got me
0: in trouble once. He said, "Put the radio uh, uh, at the at the window, yeah. and turn it up as loud as possible." And then he shouted nasty things about the neighbors,
1: oh, and my no, parents got no, very no. upset. Great, that was we. Well, I had a show on KPFK, or a series of shows that that Peter then entered into uh, and became famous for it, but it was called Late and Live. We went on the air. I said we got to go on the air until midnight. Come on, guys, can't go off at eleven. Yeah. Okay. And so we would have uh, an eleven to one or eleven to twelve, whatever it was, live show. Crazy, just crazy. Marshall Efron. Standing in front of the studio on Covenga Boulevard, and here comes a 1963 Buick Electra, and calling out the names of every car that drove by. I mean, just talk, talk about freeform radio. Thank you, KPFK, in those days, no question about it. But yeah, BAI was um, uh, uh, it was a station in those days that had a um, theater reviewer. Uh, it had Pauline Kale it had uh, I, I, Anne Rand, I remember <laughs> recording Anne Rand for commentaries. Uh, wow. it, she was The place was full of wonderful people. Cynthia Gooding did a regular show, folk oh. singers of the time, Theodore Bikel. I plugged into the Village Gate. Wow. And, uh, and I was Theodore there, uh, uh,
0: forgive me for plugging myself, but I was doing, a weekly gospel show on sunday nights and then on mondays from midnight to five i did a live talk show
1: wow was anybody i, I, alive? I know you from forever leonard that's why i'm <laughs> pleased to be on the air with you because <clears throat> because you have been around a long time to see if you want to
0: learn how to do live radio do a show from midnight to five taking calls
1: <laughs> i took over from peter once on uh klac I don't know one of the big la stations he had an overnight show for a while there and i took over from him and i would never do it again it was so <laughs> exhausting. i did
0: it i did it for eight yeah. years uh, my eight guests
1: years well. <laughs>
0: on, on today's leonard lopate at large are david osman and philip proctor of the Fire Sign theater uh we're talking actually about a new album that they have just released called dope humor of the 70s so from stand up records this is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at wbai.org what kinds of comedy records were popular in 1968 when you released your first album i mean i i think back to that time the names that come up are not like you woody allen uh, Bill Cosby, maybe George Carlin, I guess his first album came out in 67. Uh, were you, were people like Stan Friberg an inspiration?
3: Yeah. For oh me. yes. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. my major inspiration, uh, were Bob and Ray. I just love, uh-huh. they were wonderful, them. you know, and they came out with some pretty funny records too. Mm. Uh, but, but of course they were on the radio all the time doing yeah. funny material which was most of it written by a guy named Koch, okay? Uh, and, but they made it sound like it was their own. And, of course, like the Fireside Theater, they would have so much fun with the material that, they, that their, their sense of uh, comedy was infectious. Their, the, the, you know, they were always on the edge of breaking one another up, it seemed to me. And, and that was part of the
1: fun and that was yeah. of
3: listening mm-hmm. of
1: people and that 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 was one thing that we i think we learned as you learn things from your masters you know that was one thing we learned is it's okay as a matter of fact it's a good idea to break your partner up right place right (laughs) (laughs) time. even if it is unprofessional (laughs) bob bob and ray um i i brought bob and ray back to radio when i was working for npr Oh. Yeah, and this would have been 82, 1982, and I had a show called The Sunday Show, which was a five-hour long. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I know I, what that's I, like. I, a five-hour long, uh, w- once-a-week Sunday bro- arts broadcast that came in a three-hour piece and a two-hour piece, so you could never cross-promote anything. Just just think how horrible it was. Anyway, there I was in Washington, D.C., and... Uh, and And Bob and Ray were available. What's his name, Phil? That that is the uh, Ray Gould. Bob Elliott. No, 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 no. The producer who who uh, handled them. Oh, Josephson. Yeah, Larry Josephson. Larry Josephson, right? Larry Josephson contacted me and said, "You want Bob and Ray?" I said, "Yes, I do." But I want to write new material. He's still handling their material. Uh, and he, I know he is. Serial? That's why I wanted to remember his name. It's stupid of me to forget it. Uh, anyway, they they came on uh, NPR and did and invented a new serial because part of the contract was write new material, guys. And what the heck? They they were younger than we are now, Phil. Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they weren't in their 80s.
3: Yeah, right. You know,
1: right. I mean, it was a long time ago, 1983. eighty three. But they had not been on the air for a long time, and it was one of those things I got to do very briefly before they fired me for playing John Cage. Really? really?
0: That's a fireable offense, eh?
1: We did a a
3: concert at our Alan Stevenson School at our morning assembly, okay, where he's like throwing things into the piano and all that. But listen, Bob and Ray.
0: Wait, wait, uh, did you play the part? Did you play the John Cage piece where he didn't play? Maybe that's why.
3: The Bob and Ray show. On WNEW, I think it was uh, from six to ten every day, and yeah, in the I sent morning. Them a postcard that said "Get get well soon," and they read that on the air, and then later they read something else from me too that I sent them. But the my mom and I used to record the shows, and uh, and I edited them together in my own crude way with my own own razor blade. Uh, I, I I should say I edited the funniest parts, the funniest selects. And Larry Josephson put, put that tape into his Bob and Ray collection. So hmm. you can actually hear the early Bob and Ray. And it's most of the time when they broke one another up or they are crazy, <laughs> things happened. And, 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 and I, I got them all on tape and I, I shared them with the
1: world.
0: Well, let's get At back the, to the fire signs because I, I would like to that. talk about so what you, you guys did.
1: I'm sorry, yeah. what did you say, Dave? I said I didn't know that. So well, I, I mean, I knew I, I knew you you loved them, but I didn't know that the tape that it was in it went in the archive. I, that's marvelous. That's really yeah, great. I'm okay, ask, let's and, talk about and, yeah.
0: the fire signs. Yeah, uh,
1: exactly. you, there were a
0: number of recurring themes in your work. One of them, religion, especially Christianity. Uh, were you all brought up in religious households?
3: Well, hmm. I'm Amish and Irish. So what does that tell you? Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I, Amish are religious well yeah that's what i'm saying no. i'm amish and irish and the
0: catholics uh, irish catholics yes okay the Irish
3: catholic on my my dad's side <clears throat> the proctor side of the family and the yoder side of the family You <laughs> uh, were pennsylvania dutch uh mm. protestants and I, i'd go to sunday school when i was in goshen indiana for the summers and i never could get into catholicism because believe it or not it, it seemed too dramatic it was too scary for me, you know, it just—it seemed like a, a death cult. You know, but did it because get you in trouble making fun of religion? So they can celebrate the, the, their life in heaven, you know, which is true. Because in Italy, I like to travel a lot, and I speak seven languages. And my wife, Melinda Peters, and I were in Italy for a funeral once. I mean, we were having, you know, coffee outside, and a funeral was happening in this little town. And when—and it was a teenage girl who died in like an automobile accident. And when the hearse went off to go and inter her at the cemetery everybody burst into applause okay because mm. she was now in the arms of, of the lord okay and that that's the uh, that's the kind of thing that appeals to me singing hymns in church you know uh, and and uh, interpreting the stories of, from the bible that's what i like i didn't want And you have
0: to you parody hymns last because you knew church music, obviously. Um, who did the singing on in bits like Marching to Omaha?
1: Well, you're thinking of uh, marching, uh, marching to Shibboleth, yeah. Oh, uh, and uh, th- we had a lot of people in the studio. Probably Proctor was the lead because Proctor was the best singer of, of all of us, uh, that Irish tenor. Um,
3: uh, but That's really <laughs> that,
1: that's a song that we originally wrote for a movie called Zachariah. And, oh, uh, that's uh, right. And, Zachariah became another movie. But we revived that song, which is really not so much. It's about the kind of religion practiced by Amy Semple McPherson, uh-huh. uh, who would dive out of the sky on an airplane, ride it down to the stage in clouds of glory, uh, and, 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 and 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 preach from, in her pilot's costume with her helmet and her goggles on. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Mm-mm. that was the, that. It was that kind of religion we were parodying, A, hey, and if you listen to the lyrics of that song, it's all about the American destruction of the West, yeah, by white people, Anxiety, by, by the invaders, by yeah, I mean, yeah, the bison all and all are powerful. dust, you know. But yeah. well, you yeah. did a
0: lot of musical things. You you also were did duop as long with the hymns.
1: Well, we
3: actually <laughs> did a whole musical show. <clears throat> which releases a record uh, called, uh, no, what was it called? Uh, the Eight clowns. Shoes were the characters that we...
1: Fighting that we, Clowns. Oh, yeah, Fighting
3: Clowns, mm. uh, right. And uh, and the artwork on that album uh, was done by the great late Phil Hartman, who was also a terrific artist. But we created a doo group, I guess you could say, right, Dave? Rock and roll doo group called The Eight Shoes, and that we all it's, war.
1: it's it's the uh, it's you know in a really down level club in a suburb of Phoenix. These guys would be playing in their baby blue tuxedos, right. you know, and they'd be doing their utmost. Uh, nice. Yeah, we invented the, they they had their own theme song and everything. Uh, no. it, was, it was it was just fun, you know, holding holding the microphone cord in your hand while you sway back and forth, mm. like Tony Martin, you know? <laughs> yeah, and
3: we did that show at the the primary rock and roll club in Los Angeles.
1: Right, uh, the Roxy. Which is,
3: I have trouble remembering things today. Uh, Roxy. Uh, uh, rock, what was the big rock and roll club? It's still there on a sunset. The sunset. No, not the Whiskey A Go-Go. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it was a big show and, and it was we had a rock and roll band behind us on the stage and you know i mean it was a, it was amazing what we have, were able to do david and i often when we talk together or reminisce we say how did we do all that you know? Yeah,
0: well, the the uh, album Fighting Clowns came out in 1980, and David, in a blog post, you wrote, and I'm going to quote this, it's a little long, but uh, I'm curious about your take on it. To, you said, to me, there is a great difference between a humorous and a clown, and I had hoped that life of the Firesign Theater would have led more forward uh, the world of Mark Twain than the world of Beepo. The humorist is a happy soul. He comments from the sidelines of life, safe behind the keyboard or pen, not forced to mold his thinking to the direct response of an audience. He has indirection on his side. He has time to think. Bipo, on the other hand, takes his chances directly, facing or mooning the audience. A buffoon, a patsy, a performer, he is out in the open and his audience, unlike a humorous, becomes necessarily half friendly and half enemy. So yeah. you definitely did not want to be clowns.
1: No, you, I would say I'm speaking right. for myself and, uh, and speaking in, <clears throat> in the world of stand-up, um, which is not a world I ever enjoyed. Uh, really? <clears throat> two-man shows, yeah, two-man shows I, I, with Peter, with Phil, with Phil, uh, where you've got a partnership up on stage. But standing there with a the microphone and insulting people it was not my idea of good fun.
3: I totally agree. Uh, when when Proctor and Bergman became an item, uh, because he wanted to go out and meet the audience and all of that, I loved working with Peter. You know, it was it was. Uh, I loved working with Dave. I loved working with Phil. But but whenever, uh, like, well, there was one date where uh, we were playing in Denver, and Peter, uh, you know, it, it's a mile high city, and he got, mile he got mildly high, and he couldn't go on. And so I, I was, you know, had to stand there and basically say there's not going to be a show tonight because I didn't feel comfortable doing stand-up. If I had to do it over again and, you know, was suddenly thrown in front of an audience, I would have done the easy thing. I would have said, okay, so where are you, where, where are you people from over there? Uh-huh. You know, you know I, just, I just interact with the audience and tell show business stories.
1: Right. Okay? right. But,
3: but actually having to craft an act. Uh, I'm totally in agreement with David. That's that's not what we were doing. We we uh, we were very much more like Mark Twain uh, and wanted to influence the culture in a gentle, humorous way.
1: Absolutely. You're,
0: Absolutely. you're listening to Let It Locate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. And my guests are David Osmond and Philip Proctor of Firesign Theater. Uh, they have uh, just released a new uh, record from stand up, actually, two disc set called Dope Humor of the 70s. Uh, I, I don't know if you are assuming that a lot of people still have turntables, uh, although that's become a, a popular thing again with a whole new generation.
3: Yeah, right. apparently, and
1: definitely LPs, it has, and uh, everybody I know uh, has a turntable more a last if, year. if they're kids, you know. All kids have turntables because they're listening to LPs.
0: Now, and the Five Sign like. Albums include uh, repeated references and phrases, shoes for industry, more sugar, she fell right over, entrenching tool. <laughs> uh, where do these things come from? Also, He's references the to the reader. Beatles. You have I'm So Tired, Everyone Knew Her as Nancy. Good, Google goo Jew.
1: Yeah, well, you listen to the White Album. The White Album was spinning on the turntables uh, at the time mm-hmm. that we were writing How Can You Be? Uh, and Nick Danger in particular, that everyone knew her as Nancy, is a direct lift from, uh, from Bungalow mm-hmm. Bill. As yeah. everyone knew it was. It was like, oh, the little tip of the hat of the Firesign nice. Theater to the Beatles. That's nice. Yeah, we Should we were listen to a little bit
0: of shoes. shoes for Industry?
1: Shoes
3: for the Dead. Yeah, oh. Shoes for Industry, Shoes for the Dead.
0: Okay, Shoes <laughs> for the Dead, you know, whatever. The, the, the okay, kind of, I wrote it wrong. Let's listen to uh, a little clip here. Okay for industry. Shoes
2: for the dead. Shoes for industry. Hi, I'm Joe Beats. Hey, what chance does a returning deceased war veteran have for that good paying job, more sugar, and the free mule you've been dreaming of? Well, think it over, then take off your shoes. Now you can see how increased spending opportunities means harder work for everyone, and more of it, too. So do your part today, Joe. Join with millions of your neighbors and turn in your shoes. For industry.
0: Now you know why I called it Shoes for Industry. Two,
1: two answers to that. One, you know, Shoes for Industry is sabotage. Sabotage? Okay. Ooh. ooh okay. Shoes for Industry is sabotage, A. And B, it's, of course, a U.S. government, meaningless, gabbledygook, uh, 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 public, uh, uh, you know, PA uh, spot.
3: PSA. You know? But also, you know, we always equated uh, shoelessness with freedom, the hippie mm-hmm. life, you know,
1: the life hey, of your yes, own, follow true. your
3: own path. And, uh, David, wasn't it you who said something like, uh, I, I'm going to cut take the off my shoes, of uh, shoes. climb a
1: tree and learn to play the flute. Play the flute. As, as you know, Porgy, yeah. That yeah. was
3: the same record that you, uh, uh, Don't Crush That Dwarf Hand Me the pliers. Uh, and, and you know, it, instead of following people who dress alike around, he was going to cut the soles off his shoes and blah, blah, blah. So... It always kind of meant to us nonconformity and uh, freedom,
1: you know. Yeah, it, we, were, we were, if there's one thing we agreed upon in, in writing or doing anything is that we were opposed to power, waiting hmm. for the electrician, waiting for the power, waiting for the power to go off or waiting for it to go on. It, every record really, is, at its essence, is, is about power structure. Yeah. Um, and particularly, well, I mean, we were taking about, care of the police in 1970. I mean, my, yeah, 1969. Yeah. Uh, authoritarianism. We were against yeah. authoritarianism. Look how. Look you were how ahead of your time. You got us, you know. No, but, I think we were right on our times.
0: Uh-huh. We, were we were right
1: on it. The I guess it just about, has not gone
0: away. Uh, we just assume uh, that things have changed.
1: There were all bozos on this bus, which
3: basically uh, predicted the computer revolution that was about pulling the plug on powder power too wasn't it dave should we listen
0: to a little bit from that uh because the the routines often play with the concept of time forward into the past the tour uh of the future and i think uh we're all bozos on the bus this is bozo's welcome to the future
3: yeah the future is now
2: Gentlemen, gentlemen
1: children
3: Bozo. Uh, uh,
2: say, uh, I'm, I'm a bozo. Oh, you, yeah. I thought no. you had a, a kind of a big nose. <laughs> you recognized it, huh? Yeah. Would uh, you like to give it a squeeze? Oh no. Oh, come on, squeeze the wheeze. Many people like to. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, It doesn't hurt me. No. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, I think we're all bozos on this bus. Oh. Yeah. Uh, my mother was a bozoette at school. No kidding. Well, you know, my mom always said, uh, "You got to start young if you're going to stick it out." Well. <laughs> you're my mother didn't talk to me much.
1: Now, please, everyone, <laughs> Poor kid. lock your wigs, let the air out of your shoes, oh, and prepare yeah, right. yourselves for a period of well, simulated uh, exhilaration. Everybody ready? Excuse me, I'm Let's just going to sink in. Oh. Don't, not too far there. Is <laughs> <instinct>. The future
2: <laughs> is fun. The future is fair. You may already have one. Was was that
0: that simulated? Who knows? And then the uh, routines often play with the concept of time forward into the past, the bozos, tour of the future. In the first Nick Danger story, there's confusion about flashbacks and and a breaking of the fourth wall when the actors are trying to make sense of the script. Uh, So you were were commenting uh, as much on the whole process as you were on what was going on in the world.
1: Certainly, for Danger, uh, the the I mean, the basis of the gags was the awareness of the sound effects man. Was the awareness sure. of uh, misplaced pages, or <clears throat> uh, or a character who didn't like the part he was given, or you know what I mean? <laughs> or a character uh, we who didn't to, show up.
3: Like you like a name. character who
1: didn't show up, right? Exactly. We got By to play Nick Danger on stage idols. many, many times. But and there's yeah, a throwaway line don't. in
0: the first Nick Danger story. Quote, and no Jewish writers either. What did that That's refer what to?
1: Peter Bergman. We uh, were talking about religion before. Peter is playing a, a nasty a nasty cop, a nasty cop. Oh yeah,
3: well, So he, no, doesn't he doesn't want any Jewish
1: writers, and later uh-huh. he doesn't want any Buddhist writers. Why doesn't he want them? Because they're sympathetic, because yeah. they're compassionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Lieutenant Bradshaw is not a compassionate man. No Jewish writers, they bring to they they don't bring just hostility to to play. You see what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, maybe Well, that's different.
3: that's that's what's so interesting about Fireside Theater. You can interpret it in many different ways. You know, we we, we did not preach a dogma. We didn't write, you know, uh, 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 Jeremiah's. We didn't write. Strong opinions, uh, just like life, there were infinite possibilities, and and the four the four of us sitting around and playing with these ideas, uh, we had four different perspectives on it just to start with, and we embraced that, you know, uh, and we embraced
1: that kind of chaos in a way. And, I think uh, we did. We we in <clears throat> you know, a John Cagean way, we did embrace chaos <laughs> in the sense that uh, you know we had. On the very first album, we recorded outside the studio in the parking lot of uh, of, of CBS CBS because we wanted it to sound right. So we took the microphones outside and and beat on a car outside because how could we do it in the studio? So we we, we were breaking the studio wall right from the very beginning.
3: We carried that even more forward in our our series of Rhino records later in our career, right? We did another, you know, four records with Rhino, and and at that time the technology was such that we could basically go anywhere to do our recording, you know. So uh, the, the illusion of being somewhere was something that we created uh, out of uh, out of our, our our exploitation of the new technologies. I often use this this metaphor, or not even metaphor, a story. When we started, we worked on, what was it, maybe 10-track tape? Something oh, at like? the beginning,
1: four tracks.
3: Four-track tape, okay. Four tracks,
1: and, same, and as we, Beatles, in, same as the uh, Beatles, same as Sergeant Pepper.
3: In former radio studios at, at Columbia, in, Colum- uh, in Columbia Record Building. And, uh, and And at one point during that first record that David was talking about, I happened to come across a whole bunch of old radio sound effects devices that they were throwing mm. away a little. So experience. you
0: use them. Listen, I've run out of time, unfortunately. Oh. Um, but I want people to know that my guests have been David Osman and Philip Proctor of Firesign Theater, their new album, Dope Humor of the 70s, from Stand Up Records. How can people get the the record? Please say it. <laughs> Tell us quickly.
3: Well, you uh, can download it at uh, standuprecords.com. Okay? Ah. And, you can a, and, and there's a booklet included in that, uh, a PDF. Or you can go to standuprecords.com or Amazon and buy the actual disc itself. It's, it's been, everywhere. And it's Do been it. so
0: much fun having you on my show today. Thank you so much.
3: Hey, Spenard, Thank you. Really a a pleasure to be there. Trip through time, great fun.
0: And that brings us to the end of our show. Special thanks to segment producer Jessica Ramey who prepared today's interview and was also at the station in the 70s. If you're new to this program and would like to hear more, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and anywhere else that podcasts are available. And you can find links to all of our past shows on our website, LeonardLopateAtLarge.com. Also, if you'd like to comment on a show or if you just want to say hello, my email address is Lopate at wbai.org. Before I sign off, I would just like to take a few minutes to ask you to support this station. We are asking all of our listeners who have the means to do so to please step up and make a contribution at whatever level you're comfortable with by going online to give to wbai.org or by calling 516-620-3602 right now to keep the unique in-depth content that we bring you on this program coming to you weekdays from one to two pm wbai relies 100 percent on listener donations we don't run ads we don't take grants it's all just our listeners it's an incredible experiment in radio and sometimes it gets a little tough especially when money gets tight so we hope that if you tune in regularly to let it go paid at large or even if you've just discovered our in-depth one-hour interviews that you will step up right now by going to give2wbai.org to or by calling 516-620-3602 to help keep the show on and the station on the air. And to everyone who stepped up to support this station in the name of our show, thank you so much. We hope that you'll join us again tomorrow when activist Tim Wise will discuss his latest book, Dispatches from the Race War. See you then.